Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Todd McQueen as he kicks off our latest sermon series, The Co-Mission, God's Work Through Moses and Joshua. We have prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the internet. We hope God uses it to both encourage and challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. This episode is particularly special because we as a church family are going through a transition of leadership. We will now look to examples provided by Moses and Joshua that we may apply today. God has called Pastor Todd and his wife, Miss Deb, away from Grace Church of Ocala. We are looking to God for leadership through the transition of lead pastoral care to Pastor Michael and his wife, Miss Jessie. I share this with you because the example it has provided is so applicable to our own lives. Most of us are not pastoral leadership. We may be part of a church family. Maybe we attend church sometimes, or possibly this podcast is the only interaction you have on a weekly basis. The point is, we are all called to make disciples. As Pastor Todd hands off the baton to Pastor Michael, it's up to Pastor Michael to continue the work of the gospel by leading the body at Grace Church. Although the locations and roles differ, the same is true for everyone else. We are all handing the baton off to someone. Just because you're not a pastor or in church leadership, you are still called by God to lead others to Christ and to help equip them in the commission Jesus has for them. Let's listen in together as we learn we are on a co-mission toward God's good goal. Well, good morning, church. All right, as we get started in our new series, The Co-Mission, we've read Genesis 12, We jump to Numbers, and then we jump to Joshua. I'd like for you to get your Bibles out this morning. And God has made a promise to Abraham. That was handed off. The baton was handed off. And we ended up with Joshua. Joshua is going to take the land. So what I want you to do is take your Bibles. And if you have the Story Bible with you this morning, open to page 144. Joshua chapter 1. Because Joshua is now going to go in and take the land. Now I want you to take your finger, hold it there in Joshua chapter 1, and I want you to move your finger, or this is going to be hard with your computer screen. Genesis 12. Move your finger, all, keep your finger at Joshua, and then move your finger all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Now pinch it. Everybody got it? Ms. Jesse, you got it? No, I was just, there you go. Okay, just pinch it just like that. See how much story you have in your Bible? That much? That's how long it's going to take between the time God says to Abraham, I'm going to promise to you to give you people, land, and a nation, and people that bless you, I'll bless. That's how long it takes to get to Joshua chapter 1. Go in and take the land, Joshua. That's how much we're going to cover today. You ready? I need some interaction, Robbie. Give me a head nod or something. 
You, you get, there you go, Robbie. Got it? That's what we're going to cover. And yes, I mean, my goal is not to be here all day long, but what I want you to see is the time it takes God to make a promise that I'm going to do something, and I'm going to establish my relationship with you and the people, and here's how you can have a relationship with me. And in the way, we're going to work with people, and it's going to be this long, that much of your Bible. So as you turn there, you have it, right? Let's start with the story of how God makes this happen. Because in Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise to Abraham. Abe and Sarah, you're going to have a kid, and through this kid, there's going to be a whole bunch of God's lots of kids. I'm going to give you kids. I'm going to give you a land. And Abraham, what's the big challenge to Abraham? Abraham and Sarah, they're getting old. Okay, I don't have to raise hands, but if you're over 80 or 75 this morning, how many of you thought of maternity, ladies? Not too many, right? So God says, hey, I'm going to give you a kid. The problem is they're old. And what is wrong with Sarah's womb? It's not a working womb. So God does this huge story of giving them a child. And he says, I'm going to give you, through that child, I will give you land, I will give you people, and I will give you a blessing. So then Genesis continues, and they do have kids. Then you have this whole Joseph guy, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. What kind of family was that? Was it a pinup family for everything good? Was it leave it to beaver family? No, this is jacked up family in the Hamptons, the Comptons, the projects. This is TMZ news kind of crazy stuff that happens in the family. It's like, is that stuff really in the Bible? Yeah, it is. Because as God is going to tell his family through the rest, tell his story to this family of I love you, I want a relationship with you, and I am going to work in any whatever crazy circumstance your family has to fulfill this promise. Then you get to Exodus. Because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's youngest, Jacob's son was Joseph. Joseph gets him into Egypt. They make it through the famine. Things are going awesome. There are a huge 72-member family reunion that makes it to Egypt. Then you start Exodus. What happens in the beginning of Exodus? There arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joe. Things do not go well. Approximately 430 years since God makes His promise to Abraham, He finds this people that have multiplied like rabbits, right? They're indentured, they're slaves, they're building everything that Pharaoh wants to do. And God says, hey, those are my people. And we know, that even through the movies, how big a deal does God do in the nation of Egypt to release His people? to purchase his people from Egypt. It even makes the movies. All the plagues. God buys his people. The word redeem starts here. I'm going to purchase this nation for myself and evidence myself to everybody that I am the Lord God. You shall know me. God puts his name on the face of the planet. 
This nation then is rescued out of Egypt. They become a nation, and they're headed toward the promised land. Remember, that's a promise to whom? Abraham. 400-some years later, God's still, trying to, still working to keep his promises. Now, how many of you here, if I made a promise to you and said, I'll, be, I'll do it, I'll see you in four eons? How many would you raise your hand and say, I'll, yeah, I'll take that? We wouldn't, would we? God's love story to people spans generations. It spans over hundreds of years. And we sit here in life in Ocala like, what's up next week? What's going on in three months? This applies. Because through this time, God says, hey, I need some men to lead. Now, go back to the beginning of Exodus. What kind of guy was Moses? How did it start? Remember? Pharaoh, the Hebrews are having babies like crazy. Right? He says, we've got to slow that down. So he even comes up with state-sponsored post-birth abortion. Infanticide. If they keep having babies, let's just kill their babies. That's how Moses gets cast into the river. Who finds Moses? Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, so a Jewish kid makes it through life in, what what should we say this? Ocala, what is the nicest section in Ocala? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Let's say the tax bracket's way above all of ours put together. So that's where he grows up. And Moses is a hothead. How much of a hothead is he? He gets so upset that one of his people, the Hebrews, is getting beat up on. What's he do to the guy? Kills him. So this is a guy that's a hothead that God says, hey, I'm going to use you as a leader, and you're on the run from death row prison sentence. So he's 40. What would you do if, if you're wanted for murder and you know you can make it across to Mexico? You're going to hire Todd, get in an airplane, and you're going to go fly somewhere in the Caribbean or wherever you get away from it, right? That's what Moses does. Then he spends another four years as a shepherd. So you go from ultimate tax bracket down to nothing. And for 40 years, he's a shepherding. What kind of leader would you select this guy to be the next leader of your church? Wanted for murder, on the run, hothead, a 40-year delay, and then God gets his attention. He catches a water oak on fire, which understand how hard those things are to catch on fire. Talks to him and said, what does, Mo- what does God want with Moses? You. Go. Get my people out of there. I love Moses. Empathetic. Because he wants to argue with God. You know me, and you want me to do that, and make me not talk. So God has made a promise to Abraham. It's starting to be fulfilled in Joshua. And he uses a guy by the name of Moses to get this done. But along the way, you find Joshua... Joshua doesn't just show up in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua shows up as a 40-year-old under the tutelage of Moses. 
follows Moses because Moses gets him out of Egypt. They make it to Mount Sinai, and then they're supposed to go to the promised land. How many year detour did they have in the prom- on the way to the promised land? Come on, this is easy, man. 40 years. So in Moses' hip pocket is this guy by the name of Josh. 40 years his training with him. Now, 40 years later, when he's 80 years old, he has seen his leader, his mentor, do some incredibly cool stuff. You know, the whole part in the Red Sea, that'd be kind of cool. You'd hire, you know, that's pretty good on your resume. But he's also seen him make horrible mistake. To which God said, you're not allowed to go in, Moses. And he watches as his mentor dies. But God's got a plan. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you land, people, and promises and to bless through you. The story of God fulfilling his promises is bigger than Moses. It is bigger than Joshua. Let us go now to Numbers 27 to see how this baton is handed off. In your story Bible, it's page 109. Numbers 27. Numbers 27 is starting in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain of Abram and see the land I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before your eyes. These are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Verse 15, Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom the, and the man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight." You shall invest with him some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Moses, 80 years of leading these people. Have you ever gotten in trouble as a kid and your parent didn't discipline you for at least three hours and you thought you slipped the noose? Right? Moses, go to the top of the mountain. I want to show you the promised land, but you're going to die. I told you. What is Moses' response? 
What's his heart? I honestly tell you this. I would have debated the manner with God and asked for like three more mulligans. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please let me go into the promised land. I made a mistake. Oh, God, I was wrong. What does Moses' heart do, though? What does he ask God in your text? Huh? God didn't appoint someone. If it's not me, then who? You, you know how crazy a job this is. Have you ever led 40 people on a, or led people on a camping trip for three days? Right? Imagine doing that with a whole nation meandering through the wilderness. Appoint someone. What imagery does Moses use with God? Who will shepherd them? Look at your text. Verse 15. Verse 16. God appoints somebody over the congregation, verse 17, who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. What is he asking God for? A leader that is what kind of leader? A shepherd leader. Remember Moses' story. If you're going to go back on your resume of the last 80 years, 120 years, which one would you have highlighted first? Hey, I lived in the royal household and got a PhD at Harvard. Then I got in big bad trouble and had to go on to run for 40 years and spent my life digging ditches. Which one would you have chosen to highlight on your resume? Huh? The first one? Yeah, bank some cabbage then. On Moses' heart is the resume that God has worked in him that when he taught him to shepherd in the wilderness was a 40-year pre-seminary degree that when he led him into the wilderness, what was he doing then? So when God says, you can't go in, Moses begs God and says, then appoint a shepherd. Because God is on mission to fulfill his promises to Israel through people. Okay, Moses, then commission Joshua. Lay your hands on him and commission him. Now, how many of us have worked with people for a long time, been around them for a long time, spent years and decades with them, and when it comes time to hand over baton for leadership or something to go on, you're not necessarily convinced that they're the best person to do it. God begs God. Moses begs God for who is going to be the next shepherd. So God answers him and says, this guy. Do not miss the part that Moses was obedient to do it. How many of us have seen leaders or people fail to retire in sports or whatever you can come up with when they're way past their prime? 
say, wait, wait, wait. God, this has been a good run. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you who's going to be the leader. And God says, then do it in front of everybody with the guy you've been working with and make sure that it happens and they, people know it. How does God answer Moses' prayer? Not only is it information, but it's action. What happens when that commissioning takes place? Move with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Pastor Ryan read this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 34, page 142. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land. What is God showing him? What land? The promised land. Is this a big deal? Your family has been told that you're going to do something and it's taken 400 years for it and you get to be the first person to take a picture of a Martian on Venus. It's a big deal, isn't it? All right, Moses, go up the top of the mountain and I'm going to show you everything. And he does. And the Lord said to him in verse 4, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So the Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Skip down to verse 9. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses gets to see the promised land. Has God changed his mission for the people of Israel? When you think of Bible characters, and I said, hey, do you know anybody that's actually been a Bible character that's been in the movies? You can say David, or you can say Moses, right? Charlton Heston and all that kind of stuff. The story of God commissioning and getting these promises done is bigger than Moses. He did not carry the seniority to be able to see the mission complete. God's story is bigger than us. The mission lasts longer than Moses' service. He's done. Eighty years of doing one thing with its ups and downs, and there's no retirement party. There's no cashing in the 401k. There's a little bit of irony that God says his eyes weren't wet, dimmed or his feet were he was still nimble. Good for that. But really, imagine his heart. 80 years we've been working hard at this together, and no, you don't get to go in. Look what God's telling us. 
Whatever your role at Grace Church of Ocala is, it's bigger than you. Whatever your role is in the family, it's bigger than you. Whatever your role is, whatever you think you are, it is bigger than you. Let's look at Josh. Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom because what happened? What happened? Huh? He handed over the baton, but how did God, what, what literal way did God ask Moses to hand the baton? Because we don't, I came up with a different baton image for us because we've seen this. What did God ask Moses to do, literally, to, from Moses to Joshua? You're it. <laughs> Moses could have said, not yet. I'm not unhealthy. I haven't had a health insurance claim in forever. I can see really good. I said, no, no, no. You touch him. You do what I tell you to do. You lay hands on him. God worked through that in such a way that what happened to Joshua because of Moses' obedience? All right, you guys got to go into the text. Go into the text. Yes, because what? Because Moses laid his hands on him. God chock full. The Holy Spirit went boom. That's how Joshua got it. Who's working together in this? God, Moses, and Joshua. To fulfill God's promise all the way back to Abraham through these two guys. How in the world did they get here? It's a rhetorical question at this time. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to preach the next five Sundays on how these two cats got here. How did these two weirdos, most unlikely guys, get to Joshua 1? But before we leave this, I want you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 34, and I want you to see, please, verse 4. And the Lord said to Moses, when he's on top of the mountain, when he's showing him this, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, this is so much bigger than you. This goes clear back to Abraham. How big is this mission? Of all the patriarchs in your Hebrew Scriptures, God has worked toward this mission with them, in spite of them, in spite of their families, through their families, so God could tell His love story to who? Israel, and then Israel's reputation of God working spreads to who? Everybody else. Because when Joshua goes into the land to take it, 
People have heard about what God did years earlier through Moses at the Exodus. Because God's name, God's reputation, who God is, is illustrated to the world through whom? People. Through people. But this story, God even reminds Moses, when you're not going to get there, it is so much bigger than you. This started with Abraham. Did Abraham ever see the promised land with his feet there with his family? Did Isaac and Jacob? Did Moses? Moses got to see it. He didn't get to have his forwarding address changed to there. Who gets to lead the people in? Joshua. But there is a story on how Moses and Joshua got hooked up. Come back for the next five weeks and we'll go through this. Friends, let me back the bus up. What is God's mission in this story? This is high-hanging fruit. This is for you guys that's been studying the Bible forever, and I want you to think. What was God's mission all along from the time he made the promise to Abraham to the, all the way through the Joshua. Here's how to get along with friends and neighbors and go on camping trips 40 years. Not so much. What's God's story? What's he telling? Is this just a huge Sunday morning history lesson through all kinds of books and scriptures? No. God is telling a story. What is his story? I want to have a relationship with you. I'm going to take the initiative of de developing that relationship even when you're slaves in another country. I will purchase you from that country. When we get together, I'm going to say, here's how you love me and love one another. Who did God use so that mission would be accomplished? People. We are on a co-mission toward God's goal. Same goal. Who's God? Let me introduce you to Him. How do you have a relationship with Him? And how do you love each other? It's the same story. So here's your quiz. Today, what is our mission as Grace Church of Ocala? Make disciples. That's our mission. We will read that here really soon because Jesus has us read that every Sunday. Good job passing that test. We are on the same mission. Introduce people to Jesus. Let me walk with you with this relationship to Jesus. I'm going to need to hand off who Jesus is to other people because it's bigger than I am. It is bigger than you. Who's leading this mission? Tough question. God's leading this mission. God's going to use people to lead this mission. I want you to think of something very concrete, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to embarrass Pastor Michael. Who's getting ready to lead this mission at this local body? He is. If I could put my hands on him and get the power of the Holy Spirit, and boom, I want to do that. 
I have prayed for him. This isn't about him nor me, but we have to lead as what God, what did Moses ask for? Because God has told me, you got to go. I beg, then give them a shepherd. Now, who are you leading? The mission's the same. Yes, we're going through this series to help explain the God, what God is doing as we go on this mission toward God's goal. But you could ask me this morning, well, good, you talked about you and Michael as your conclusion. Glad I came. There are people that participate in these stories. There are people that help Moses and Joshua. There are people that, quite frankly, don't it out. How severe is God's punishment for these people? We got cool stories like earthquakes open up and they get eaten. Now, here's where it's, we're going to be sensitive. Am I saying that Grace Church of Ocala needs to be swallowed up? That God's going to discipline them? Not at all. What I'm saying is God takes it incredibly serious that there are those He's called to lead and there's those who's called to follow and support. But every single one of us is called to lead in some way. Right? You are, Jesus is commanded each follower of him to hand the baton off of introducing that relationship. Just so we're clear this morning, here's the relationship with Jesus. He loves you. He came to earth for you. He died for you, and he rose again so you could have a relationship with him. And because this world super sucks, he says, I'm coming again to make all things new. And everybody said, amen. But first, the part of the baton is every single one of us is challenged to share Jesus with a relationship with someone that Jesus loves them, died for them, wants to establish a relationship with them. Now that you know that, are you willing to hand that baton off to the next person? Now, who are you leading in your circumstance? Because I, I know a lot of you, you got kids, you've got relationships, you've got responsibilities. Is this a big story about Moses and Joshua? Yes, but it is also about the people that God has called that were following them that said, love God and love other people. Spread my name. Spread my fame. Will you do that? Because we're on mission together for God's goal that is bigger than any single one of us. Let us pray. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God in His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.